Welcome to Spin Ray presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right. This is Spin Ray, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. I'm so excited to be talking to you about the Toronto Blue Jays who are in the playoffs. Straight up. That's what this is. Caitlin McGrath, the co-host of Spin Rate. She covers the Blue Jays for the Athletic. Just back here from the beautiful downtown Minnesota herself. Caitlin, how are you? Welcome. Yes, welcome back. Fresh off a plane. Well, not quite fresh. I've been here since like this afternoon, but fairly fresh off the plane from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Not the downtown Minnesota, as, as I understood it. Home's Target. The reason I, I shook up the, the 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 banter, shook up the 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 prattle, the 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 patter a little bit, because I was what I was going to say is that you and I are here to talk about the playoffs because that's what this series against the Yankees is. This is a playoff series. Mm-hmm. If you cover hockey and you can talk about some goofy first round series that means nothing, that's two months out from when they actually award the Stanley Cup. This is the playoffs. The Blue Jays come in two games behind the Yankees, who somehow improbably lead the wild card race in the American League after a wild series weekend series in Boston. The Yankees are there, one game behind them. Boston Red Sox, one game behind them. Toronto Blue Jays. I may have uh, offered, given a short shrift to the Seattle, Seattle Mariners. It's because I deny their very existence at this point. They don't count. They're not, uh, not real. It didn't happen even though they have uh, their one game behind the Blue Jays. So whatever. But they do play here tonight on Monday. But yes, this is Spin Rate, where we talk about the Blue Jays. We've got lots to talk about. Before we talk about any more, I will, of course, put in the plug to say that you need to subscribe to The Athletic. If you want to read everything that Caitlin wrote there in beautiful downtown St. Paul, Minneapolis, you got to go to theathletic.com slash spinrate and sign up. They'll give you a tidy discount. You will let them know that we sent you and they will allow, be allowed to continue creating this spin rate baseball podcast about the Toronto Blue Jays. And if you do like that, we do create this show. Thank you. If you do listen to this is your first time, glad you're back. Glad you're here. Glad you are fired up about Blue Jays baseball here in uh, late September 2021. Maybe you want to go over and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Subscribe. If you like what you hear, give us a rating. Give us a review. Do all those things that keep us in the good graces of the algorithm so that we can continue cranking out Blue Jays talk. Because there's a lot to talk about. Before we look ahead to the Blue Jays week upcoming, the biggest week in uh, in the last five years of this franchise, if nothing else, let's talk about the weekend that was there in Minnesota against the, the hapless Twins. Who maybe I think that might be a bit of a tough sell on the Twins. Who hapless? I mean, this was a team that was favored to go to the playoffs. Obviously, things haven't gone that way. Made some big trades. Made some big trades, including trading off their best pitcher Jose Barrios, who now plays for your Toronto Blue Jays. But the the Twins can can do some things. They hit a lot of home runs. Their bullpen much was made about their improved bullpen um, over the weekend. But the Blue Jays managed to take two of four. So the question I have for you, Caitlin, is taking two games, splitting a four-game series on the road in September against the team that should have that was favored to be in the playoffs. Is that a disappointment? Um, I think that I think going into it, it would feel like a disappointment because I think you thought the Blue Jays had the potential to come away 
with that series with a win. But then understanding that they lost the two first games of that series, I think the fact that they managed a split um, was very good. And you come away from that feeling satisfied, I think, just knowing sort of how bad the first two games went. Um, you know, with a lot going on, you lose Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with this freak injury. I mean, it was at least positive news that it you know nothing structurally was wrong it was just basically sort of a flesh wound um with the stitches and so they're hopeful that he'll be back um relatively soon but yeah like the first two games you know didn't go well Barrios pitched pretty well he just had like one shaky inning um but you saw that the Blue Jays offense the way that they can sometimes just go completely cold um and of course those first two games there were still a lot of questions with George Springer um you know in fact after that I think Friday game it was kind of questioning like should you move him down in the lineup like should he still be hitting first overall just because you know you have Marcus Simeon really going and he looked really good in the lead leadoff spot different parts of this season and he's hitting the ball so well right now um you know do you move George down but obviously the next day George Springer came back kind of answered that question himself he hit two home runs in the final two games and helped the Blue Jays win those two final games um obviously Robbie Ray pitched really well as did Alec Manoa um battled again and a really good start so the you know it was kind of like to me those four games kind of showed like the Blue Jays somewhat at their best um, maybe not their absolute best because um, you know you lost Gurriel and then uh, Vladdy and Bo struggled a, a little bit mm-hmm. um, more so Vlad Bo kind of came around towards the end of it but but Bo um, was struggling a little bit in those early games so both of them were not sort of at their best but then you saw Marcus Simeon hitting with the ball well and George finally coming around and so Chafka was hitting the ball really well and so other guys Danny Jansen's obviously playing really well right now as well so you saw the Blue Jays you know at what they can be at their very good and not even absolute best and they can still win games really easily um, with their their starters pitching well but then you saw when they can be at their kind of most vulnerable when they just the offense can't do anything and they're all swinging and missing and they're just not generating anything and then then you're working with such small margins of error that if your starting pitcher has one bad inning um and you're just not able to make up for it so um I think when you look at that series you're really going to hope the Blue Jays of the Saturday and Sunday show up um, for this series this week because that's really when they are the most dangerous, right? Like, in all, in all, that, that's obvious. Like, teams are always at their most dangerous when they're all firing on all cylinders. But you can just see how the the uh, switch can flip so easily with the Blue Jays a little bit, right? Like, they can kind of look lifeless for one game. Um, and if it's one game in June, it's one game in June. But really, they can't afford to have any slip-ups here in the final six games. Like, whatever was going on with them in Thursday, Friday, maybe say Thursday's game was because they were all kind of shaking a little bit at the Guriel thing, and then Friday, they're not quite snapping out of it or whatever it may be. Um, but they can't really afford to do that um, in these final six games. I think that in any other time of the year, you go on the road, you face a team, better or worse, you can't hold, you can't expect for you to do more than than split. You know, ordinarily you split a four game series on the road, you're like, that's good. Ask expecting a team to win three out of four games is a lot at any time because that means that that's a seventy five. You know, that's just not realistic to expect that. But the circumstances demand it. So when the Blue Jays come out of uh, go in and face what is an underperforming, but not the, you know not the worst team, they have a they have a bad record. But like you can see, 
what the Twins are capable of when they are hitting home runs, when Josh Donaldson and and uh, and everybody else and, and uh, Jorge Polanco or uh, George Polanco is having an amazing season. They got a lot of weapons. So if you go in and split with them or most of the time, you're like, fine, take our two wins. We'll go home. You can't afford to do that. And the, 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 the hows and whys are part of it. But it's really just because of where they are in this race. You look at the teams around them, the Yankees in their last 10 are 7 and 3, the Red Sox in their last 10 are 7 and 3, even the Rays in their last 10 are 7 and 3. Right? The Blue Jays are 5 and 5. The Mariners are 8 and 2 in their last in their last 10 games. You go to the go to the last 20, Rays are 11 and 9. Yankees are 11 and 9. Red Sox are 11 and 9. Blue Jays are 13 and 7. So the Blue Jays picked up a couple games over the last 20. But then they they give it right. They have, you know it's, it's it's sort of given back in the next ten. There's no break. There's no rest. You can't afford to just be happy with a with an okay result. So all the things that have happened throughout the season that put the Blue Jays into this position, their inability to get some good bounces, their inability to do the things to their roster that needed to be done, you know when they needed to be done, which is again the it's it's hard to to throw blame too much blame like that they did things right they made moves they 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 weren't about to start making trades in may to address the bullpen you know the, it did correct itself it, since the all-star break the blue jays have one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball but the fact of the matter is they need to win every game they can win and there's so much talk about controlling your own destiny and right now the blue jays don't really i mean they do but they don't Right, you've only these three games against the Yankees coming up are so big, um, and it's unfortunate for the Blue Jays that the, that the Red Sox laid a series of eggs over the weekend because that was my thing all along was I wanted the Red Sox to to win that series so that's just the Blue Jays and the Yankees that extra bit of that as close as can be so that those these head to head games have the most impact. But now you have to try to beat the Yankees while cons- also leapfrogging the Red Sox and trying to hold off the Mariners behind and all these other factors start, start coming into your equation and all the calculus. And it's like, well, if the, if the Red Sox, they got to lose two or they, if they lose three against these two teams, like it's, it's a mess. It's a, it's a delightful mess. And it's just that, that inability or, or all, all these things, 150 games that, that preceded it, that brought the Blue Jays to where they are now. Um, they are not 100% in control of their own destiny. They're close, but it would be a lot better if they did. And, you know, again, you watch, I don't know if you watch, well, we'll get to that, like the, the stupid Red Sox-Yankees game on Sunday night. But but so um, you, you touched on like what went right and what went wrong in Minnesota. Definitely a, a bunch of uh, really encouraging performances. Teoscar Hernandez, you mentioned him, just having just an incredible incredible season what a year and you know i talked to kevin goldstein on the on the on the show in midweek and he said you know again who who watched him closely in houston and got to know him a little bit he said the same thing that anyone with a with a with a bit of honesty would say nobody even expected this from teoscar hernandez if you told if i'm sure if you sat him down and said teoscar did you think that you were going to hit 300 with 30 home runs and, and, and 110 rbis in the big leagues he would probably say well, yeah, I thought that, but like maybe <laughs> not. But like, because th- this is crazy. It's crazy what a kind of a year he's having, and the timing of the of, of him having and playing so well, and like hitting these those that crazy high home run. Uh, <laughs> it's just like what what a year for Teoscar Hernandez. It's somewhat fall, flown under the radar. 
Yeah, no, totally. And I think, yeah, if you had said Teoscar's going to hit 30 home runs in a season, people would say, yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. Um, but then when you add in, oh, and the RBIs, oh, and the uh, over 300 average, and, you know, yeah, he still strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a ton, but he makes up for it because he makes a lot of contact. Um, and it's not just swinging for the fences anymore, right? Like, he makes hard contact. He can run. He can really hit some line drives that end up being home runs. Um, but he makes just a lot of solid contact. So he's got the average. And it's, you know, it's there are so many under-the-radar – well, maybe not so many, but there are quite a few under-the-radar stories on the Blue Jays. Like you talk about even a guy like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Sure, he had a bit of an up and a down uh, start to his season, but basically like since the All-Star break, he's been um, one of their best hitters and especially in the last month. And like you talk about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And there's a lot of teams where like he would be the guy, like he would be the guy that everyone was talking about. And he's like, like fourth or fifth on the list of guys we're talking about in the Blue Jays lineup. Um, you talk about Marcus Simeon, 43 home runs, 43 home runs for a second baseman. I mean, that was fun to watch. There's been, you know, I will, I'm sure I will reflect on whenever this Blue Jays season ends, whether it's uh, over the weekend or whether it's beyond that, but just reflecting on how many cool things I've seen this year and like getting to see, you know, what Vlad's been able to do, especially these last few months. And especially because I missed so much of watching them that I sort of appreciate how many cool moments they've, they've managed to pack in these last two months. Um, you know, all these fun comeback games, that game in that Saturday in Baltimore. I'm never going to forget that day. Cause that was so crazy how many runs they scored and seeing Simeon hit these home runs over and over and over again to left field. Um, I feel like I've had such a good, uh, uh, good up close view of like basically every single home run he's hit at the Rogers center because he always hits it into the left field, always mm. goes into like the seats or the bullpen. And I sit right there. So I feel like I always kind of know when Marcus gets a home run. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's going to land there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, uh, that's incredible. Obviously George Springer didn't have the season he wants, but when he's on, he's, you know, one of the most dangerous leadoff hitters. He really, um, he's really fun to watch as well. And so, yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's so many guys, um, that we could probably do a whole episode on just like how many incredible individual and performances there's been on the, on the hitting side, the pitching side. I mean, Robbie Ray's probably going to cement himself as Cy Young award this week, potentially if he out pitches Cole, uh, obviously they're not head to head, but they'll pitch one day after another. And you know, the, there's a lot of great stories on the pitching staff. Tim Meza, we've talked about a little bit. Jordan Romano, we talked about um, last episode. That core four of relievers, like you said, Adam Simber and Trevor Richards has greatly improved um, the bullpen or the pitching staff as a whole to the point that they're one of the better ones. And so, you know, getting to this point is that it is, it will be unfortunate if circumstances are such that you know, the Blue Jays did have this sort of like perfect storm of all these great individual performances. But, you know, unfortunately, for a chunk of time there in the middle, um, it they just weren't coalescing to a lot of wins, you know, like the, the pitching staff um, or the bullpen, especially like not being able to hold down those few wins in, in May and June. Um, it's 
you know, I, I don't like to play the game of like, well, if this had happened, they would have been in the playoffs and then this would happen because there's so many different, like there's so many wins that they got that maybe they shouldn't have gotten those wins, right? Like the Blue Jays have come back sort of miraculously a number of times. Like, should they have won the game against the A's where they were down 8-2 in the eighth? Probably not. Like, prob- So, you know, these things kind of even out a little bit that I don't necessarily like to point to specific losses and say, well, if this loss didn't happen or if this loss didn't happen, because you never really know, right? That's baseball. Like, that's how it works. That's how one mm-hmm. team wins and that's how one team loses. A team makes a mistake and another team benefits. That's how it all works. But I will say, though, like the sort of storyline or one of the storylines coming out of the season um, will be, in general, missed opportunities for these Blue Jays. I think that will be like a defining storyline, um, you know, whether they make the playoffs, whether they don't make the playoffs, um, because, you know, this is a team that probably could have, if things were um, if things were how they were in September for basically the entire season, this is a team that would have been contending, if not running away with the division, I think. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. If you look at baseball reference, they track uh, the Pythagorean record, which is the record that you would you would uh, assign to a team given their run score and, and run allowed diff- uh, uh as it's shaken out so far, uh, by run differential, the Blue Jays should have 95 wins, uh, right. while the Yankees should have 83. Yeah. So the Blue Jays are one of the unluckiest teams in baseball. The Yankees and, are one and, of the luckiest. And the Rays have, what do the Rays actually have, like 97 wins now? Uh, yes, the Rays right now have 97. Okay. So right now the, the Rays have 97 and the Yankees have 89. And the Blue mm-hmm. Jays have 87. In the Red Sox of 88. But like that bit of luck. And then, uh, you know, again, you look at the Red Sox and the Red Sox and Yankees both have really, really strong one records in one run game. So Blue Jays are 500. Uh, the Red Sox have a losing record against good teams yeah. uh, because they're frauds. But it doesn't matter because here they are. They have a playoff position, uh, more a, a better grip on the playoff position than the Blue Jays do, and you could always the 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 issue, I guess, is that there the the the, the number of of games, the number of missed opportunities for the Blue Jays. The list is long, and there are a million different games you could point to and be like, <laughs> "What if that didn't happen? What if that didn't happen?" The one that Marcus Simeon threw away, like he's, like there are a hundred, but really, it's just a matter of. None of that stuff will matter if the Blue Jays can can figure some things out, right? If the Blue Jays can kind of get through this and somehow come out on top, and if there's a tiebreaker or any of that stuff, if the Blue Jays can can win a couple games when the season has technically ended, then all is forgiven. And then you're left with a team that is scary to play against, truth be told, because they have a lot of good players and they have some really good pitching. Now let's talk really quick. I, I, I don't know if you were. I guess you weren't traveling. That that crazy Red Sox uh, Yankees game on Sunday night, mm-hmm. which could have gone in a million different directions. Adam Ottavino, embedded Yankee, Yankee for life. New, you know, born and bred New Yorker, <laughs> serving up cookies for Aaron Judge to like hit through the fence, and then Mark uh, Giancarlo Stanton to hit out of the stadium. Joey Gallo making a crazy error, a terrible call. Jerry West made an awful, awful call. Darren Judge struck out. Somehow that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, like just a wild, wild game that has now set up this crazy series with the Yankees. Now, 
maybe a question is, or maybe a, a, if you're a Blue Jays fan, your fingers are crossed that like maybe there's a bit of a letdown after that crazy series, after sweeping the Red Sox and mm-hmm. pulling ahead. If you're the Blue Jays, maybe looking for a, an angle. Maybe the Yankees facing a bit of a letdown. They had this crazy game, and they've got to go through the border, and which you know everybody <laughs> yeah. knows is no fun. Uh, so maybe that maybe advantage Blue Jays? Question mark. Yeah. Okay. A few things. Um, the Yankees and Boston series was really interesting um, because it looked like a few of those games, at least the last two. Um, Boston like had the momentum and then they just really were not able to hold on to leads. They, I know their bullpen was a strength in the first half and it has not been a strength in the second half. Um, and they lost their best reliever. Um, the rule five guy, Whitlock, Garrett Whitlock, I think his name is, mm-hmm. or, um, mm-hmm. he's on the injured list. And so, um, and you know, I think they were managing their bullpen a little bit, like a Garrett Richards has gone to the bullpen and he would, he was pitching well, but then he's he didn't pitch. Good. He didn't pitch well yesterday or on Sunday should say. Um, and yeah, the bullpen just fell apart. Um, someone tweeted a, a quote, I think afterwards, I think it was DJ LeMahieu. And one of the Yankees writers um, tweeted it. And it was something like, this isn't verbatim, but it was something like, the story of our season has been getting punched in the face and coming back. And I thought to myself, that's kind of in the story of the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox seasons. Like, they've all had these periods where they've just looked awful or they've just been like you know lost games they should have won you know have not been able to hit their pitching has fallen apart or whatever it may be um and you've kind of seen them all at different points of the season you looked at the team and said okay this is they're done like this they're not coming back from this like the blue jays you know in august when they played that awful road series um the Boston having the uh, COVID outbreak and all that kind of stuff. It looked like they were kind of on the brink of disaster. The Yankees have been like a week ago, they lost to Cleveland. It looked like they were throwing in the towel and then they've come out and won six straight um, to head into this Blue Jays series. So I honestly, I'm saying this from the heart. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have, <laughs> I have no clue what these teams have left up their sleeves. I could very conceivably see a series where the Blue Jays completely dominate the Yankees over three games at home. Um, I, I was in New York when the Blue Jays beat them in four, and it was not even close. There was one game that kind of the scoreline looked somewhat close, but mm-hmm. that was only because Nate Pearson gave up two home runs in the ninth inning, made it 6-4, should have been 6-2. And that was was that – and then – that the game the before that, game. the game before that was the six three game that that Brett Gardner like ran into a, and hit a home run. Yes, like a it three was like, run home run. Yes, exactly. You you are absolutely right, and like I I thought that same thing too, and I'm sure I'm not alone watching that Sunday night game in particular. And it was like these two teams are awful. Yes, and and I and like look, the Blue Jays have looked awful at times too. Like against the Twins that Friday sat, or or. Thursday, Friday, like they didn't look like a team that was a world beater. Like, so every team is capable of looking bad for certain. Um, if, you know, I can just be the more objective uh, person here. But no, I totally agree with you. Like I watched, I watched the Yankees and the Red Sox game. I, to be fair, to be honest, I should say, uh, I watched part of it on mute because I was still doing some work. Um, so I was like flipping back between mute and, you know, I don't need to listen to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, broadcast. How dare but- you? Don't speak ill of Al. Summer of Al. <laughs> Anyway, um, and 
you know, but I had the same thought. I was like, how, how are these teams, like, how are these teams in it? You know, like they just looked so awful. And then the Yankees, like the Yankees, what the success has been for them in this last little bit and why they've been so uneven is that they usually win when they run into some home runs and when they run into some hard hits. Um, And then sometimes they can just look so completely inconsistent. I mean, I guess that's kind of the Blue Jays, but I think the Blue Jays have a bit of a, they have a much deeper lineup um, and more of the Blue Jays lineup can hit home runs and, you know, one through nine, the Blue Jays basically have um, hitters that can maybe not one through nine every single lineup, but like they're, they're capable. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, and the, the other thing I should add is that like, I've seen a lot of people and you kind of express this, that like, yes, the Blue Jays fate isn't entirely in their hands because they do sort of have to hope that Boston continues to trip up a little bit just to give them a little bit more room. Um, and I've seen a lot of people say, well, Boston has an easy schedule and they have the Orioles and they have nationals. Um, but also like you talk about a letdown from the Yankees coming down, but like, you know, Boston did not look good. And those, like, they don't look like they have any guys that are coming out of the bullpen. And yeah, I understand they're playing the Orioles, but the Orioles, they can hit like, and you know, they can, it's not inconceivable that the, the Boston, like, I don't think. I don't look at a, this Boston team and say they're going to win the next six straight. I mean, they could because they just went on a run. But the, the thing about this is that what you just said about the Red Sox has been true for two months. Yes. For two months, the Red Sox have looked like they're about to completely collapse. For two months, the Red Sox, suddenly you're like, well, yeah, no, Hunter Renfro is a bad player, <laughs> not a good player. And, and, sudden, and, and for two months, you've been like, you know, well, since in the second half, Bobby Dahlbach's been one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, no, he's not. And and uh, you know, Devers is up and down. Bogarts is up is up and down. Christian Vasquez is not having a great year, right? They've tried a million different things in the you know, like Hernandez playing in the outfield. They they get Sale back, but it's like there's just something about this Red Sox team that feels terrible. But I, I, they they've played 154 games like this, and they've won more than the Blue Jays. Even though the Blue Jays are, I'm using air quotes, better. Blue Jays are better at scoring runs, they're better at preventing runs, they have better players, in more positions. It doesn't matter. If this is it, if this is the time where the Red Sox are like, okay, we've had enough, you know, our, our repeated, <laughs> in, like, we, we can't just hold this house of cards up any longer, great. But I refuse to believe that it's going to happen now because it's not happened and it's been 50 games of them looking like it's about to happen. 50 you, games of, of like an out, a COVID outbreaks because they, don't, they refuse to get vaccinated, <laughs> for, you know, to a man. And, and, and now it's like one guy's on the COVID list, one other guy's on the COVID list. Eduardo Rodriguez is having a terrible year because he, he had COVID last year. Like there's no way to, and he had what it might have cardiitis. Like they're a disaster, but they're still here. And, and I, I ref- I could see it. I, they could they could lose every game if they went zero and six. If they got swept by the Orioles, who knew? But they won't. <laughs> well, and also it, the same point goes for the Yankees because remember the Yankees won thirteen straight and then they went and lost. Uh, I don't know if they lost right after the 13th straight, but then they had ended up losing like seven in a row. They were like, the Bro- two, yeah, two and the, 11 or something like that. Yeah, like when the Jays came and beat and swept them, um, they were in the midst of losing like seven in a row, like to the point where ba- they basically gave up 
all the ground they'd gained over that 13 game winning streak. And like, yeah, then they kind of were scuffling a lot and they lost a series to Cleveland. They got like crazy. They got, got outscored by like, Cleveland scored 22 runs on them. And Cleveland is not a team that can score runs. They've been no hit like four times this season. Um, like they're the, the worst offensive team, one of the worst offensive teams. And um, the Yankees looked, com- and you know, Cole was swearing on the mound because he looked over at the score or whatever happened. Um, like they look like a mess. And then they, like I said, they won seven straight and um, they, they could also show up and, not be able to play again. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, all these teams have been so uneven and so inconsistent. I mean, the Blue Jays have been probably based on the record, the slightly best team in September, but that was more so in the start of the month, as opposed to this last um, week stretch, they've been obviously more inconsistent losing to Tampa and then splitting um, with the twins. But I, I don't really know what will happen. I think though, I will say I don't I don't know if you'll agree or disagree, but I think the home field will be a factor. I do think the Blue Jays playing at home. This is their first home series against the Yankees. Like you said, this is the first time the Yankees have to come to Canada. Um, and, and they don't get to bring um, any Yankee fans with them, which is nice. Yeah, unless there's Yankee fans here. But well, there um, are. It'll be... There are, but there will be mostly Toronto fans. And also the the, the stadium's opening up to 30,000. And that's going to be a factor, I think. Like, I think that, um, I mean, it's not, a crowd can't make a baseball team play better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can energize a team. It can, you know, offer some maybe intimidation factor a little bit. You know, you just want to be, you know, if you watch games where, in Fenway or even in Yankee stadium, like it can be a tough place to play. And so the Blue Jays have to hope that um, they create an environment where the Rogers center is a tough place to play. And it it has been, it has been playing really well this year. The Blue Jays have won a lot of games this year. um, And that's only been at like a really small capacity crowd of 15,000. So I think having the 30,000 there, I think that'll be a factor. I don't know. The Um, The Yankees just won three straight at Fenway. They just swept the Red Sox on the Yeah, road. but like that, but that's different because the Boston, you get a lot more Yankees fans there. Fair enough. I heard them I, I heard them say it was like 70-30 Boston Red Sox or sorry, Boston um mm-hmm. Yankees fans there. And it's not quite a split, but I think it's gonna be much more pro Toronto here. I would there's not gonna be any loud Yankees fans here. Just some clown wearing like a Lakers jersey and a Yankees hat. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. Let's talk <laughs> a little bit about the the pitching plan for okay. the Blue Jays heading into the series. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see they're just giving. Hyunjin Ryu the start in the first game of the series is that maybe not a little bit surprising that he's just going to come bounding off the off the injured list which I think maybe uh, maybe I'm crazy obviously the injured list thing was bullshit like it was just obviously garbage and they just were like yeah go away for a while <laughs> because he's just going to waltz right back out there in the biggest game of the year and they're going to put him in the mound is, is that is that maybe a little bit fucking crazy <laughs> It is funny because, um, yeah, I mean, 
Well, yeah, his his neck was sore. Like, let's leave it at that. But <laughs> no, we don't have to leave it at that. We don't have to believe them. They just said that it was bullshit. It's okay to yes. acknowledge it. He had left was, arm shittiness. The traditional. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny that because the the other day, chart we asked Charlie like um, about Ryu, like you know, how's he feeling? Is he ready for the start? Kind of thing. And Charlie was like. And someone asked, like, what has he been working on while he's been on the aisle, IL to, the, you know, be ready? And Charlie was like, well, you know, th- he's resting the arm and uh, and resting the neck and, <laughs> like, making sure you, like, <laughs> make note of the neck part of it again. Uh, and obviously he's been working on his command and working with Pete and all that kind of stuff. So, um, well, well, what I mean, the only other alternative would have been Stephen Matz, right? Mm. The way it lined up, yeah, I guess so. That, that makes sense. And I mean, Stephen Masters had the, his worst start of the year as well. I mean, maybe it was a blip, and it was just uh, kind of a weird game against the Twins. Um, like you said, they're not an awful team offensively, especially. Um, but and a bad matchup for for Stephen Matz probably too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of matchups, though, like if you look at the numbers, Ryu actually has had two good starts against the Yankees. His last good start was against the Yankees when he famously and threw pre- eighty pitches. I mean, his ERA, I think, on only two starts, that was ERA against the Yankees, like under two. Like they haven't hit him very well. Um, his his he's probably pitched. I mean, he hasn't pitched a ton against them because I think again it was only two starts or so. But um, he's one. They're one of the teams that have struggled to hit him. Um, and yeah, like the last time we saw him, he was kind. He was still in that uneven period. Like he was still kind of struggling. He didn't look himself. Um, and he came back and had a really good start against the Yankees, and then he had two bad starts after that. But against the Yankees, he, he looked completely like himself. So I don't know if the Blue Jays kind of know something. They know something about the matchup. They like Ryu in that in that space. And I also wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if this is going to happen. I did ask about it, and I didn't get a, ne- a necessarily like clear-cut answer. But I, I did ask if there's a scenario in which they use Ryu and they could bring in Mats after if something went real wrong and they don't want to use stripling necessarily right if they could kind of bring in mats after that i wonder if that's going to happen mm. i don't know or if they just want mats to rest so that he's available for that potentially last game of the year that could be meaningful and they're all meaningful now yeah. i uh yeah i'm a little uh i'm just really interested to see like I, I wonder if we we could think about it. I mean, we don't have the numbers in front of sorry, us. Sorry, go ahead. Like Ryu, so Ryu has four starts against the Yankees this year mm-hmm. and has a 188 ERA over 24 innings with 21 strikeouts to six walks against them. I mean, if his changeup is is working, that's a really good weapon against like the Stantons and Judges uh, and even the Mayhews of the world, where if, yeah. he can, if he can throw that down and away and let those guys who do have a lot of swing and miss in their game sort of uh, flail at that. I know that that was the big thing, right, that we talked, we've talked, we talked about a bunch, is that in that last start against the Yankees, when he went on uh, September the 6th, they threw six innings, and he was dominant, but only threw the 80 pitches, and then came out saying that uh, he was feeling uh, the ill effects. Was, you know, his arm was, was barking at him a little bit, but he threw a lot of cutters that game, which was a little bit different than what he's been doing um, this season. So if he's able to to work that Hyunjin Ryu-ish combination of like change-ups down and away to right-handers and then cutters kind of in and, and getting these guys really off off balance and, and throwing either of those pitches in any count, which is, you know, when he's when he's right. Yeah, sure, he can be a great matchup for that team. But if he's not, if the change-up isn't working, it's probably going to be pretty evident early on. 
um, that that he's not able to get them off of his fastball, which is again part of the problem. He didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of folks I saw saying like, oh, he didn't have, doesn't have any zip. Nothing's really you know coming off of of, of uh, the pitches that he's throwing and and whatever else. So I don't know. I, I think there's a, it's a bit of a risk, but I think the biggest at the end of the day, what else are you going to do? You don't really have that many options. Um, again, other than maybe Stephen Matz, so. You I know. mean, they've they've lined it up such that like they've at least put themselves in the best position possible to win that series because you have Brios and Ray. Mm-hmm. That's almost the best you can do. I mean, like you said, or like you were about to say before I interrupted you, they could have used Mats, um, but they for what you know they like Ryu better. Mm-hmm. I, which is which I get, and and if he's right, then he's then that's great. Maybe this has all been like a slow long con that they were they were <laughs> sending him out there to get shelled. He's getting by shelled the by the Orioles and the Twins uh, in in a way that is deceptive. But I guess one thing I think there, there was some debate about was how what kind of a leash he might have if he if he might be on a bit of a of a shorter leash should. Um, should he come out and look as he has had in those previous two starts before he went on the injured list with his phantom baloney injury uh, to his neck? But uh, it's uh, it's no fun because even if you win two out of three, you only gain one game in the standings. So you're still one game behind with three to play. And yeah, the Yankees are going to play the Rays, who are home with their feet up. But that's why we log on every day. That's why we post. That's why uh, what we're here to to do, to talk about baseball, to get excited for this exact opportunity. If you're going down to the Rogers Center, I'd love uh, for you to get loud, make yourself, have yourself a good time. Fortress Roger, I don't know, I'm just talking absolute nonsense. Caitlin, what do you have coming up for the people in the next uh, little bit? Um, well, I will be at the Yankees series. I have a story coming out later this week on one of the Blue Jays, let's just say, good players. His name rhymes with Slad Carrero <laughs> Punier. Punier. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's going to be a story coming out on Vladdy. And um, then we'll see what happens with this Yankee series. We'll see if I'm planning a trip later on this week, maybe to Boston, maybe to New York. We actually were imagining some doomsday scenarios where the Blue Jays had to take a have to play a tiebreaker game with the Mariners. We're like, how are we going to get to Seattle? And back to Toronto? Would that be even possible? <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Did you change your mind on the MVP thing? The MVP debate's still going, which is crazy to me. But people are still talking about it. You still got you still uh, MVP. I mean, I was. My opinion has been that Shohei Otani's going to win it. You, so Vlad hasn't changed your mind. He hasn't won you over seeing him in person. What if he goes bananas? Goes crazy? It's like goes goes like Stanton did this weekend. Guess what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I think that I do think that. Vlad is not going to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. I think he'll get some first place votes. I honestly think Marcus Simeon could get some first place votes. Maybe not first place vote, but he'll certainly get some second place votes, I think. Um, but I do think Robbie Ray is going to win the Cy Young. I, I do too. And I think he deserves it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that I don't even know that necessarily this start matters for him to win it. Maybe this will sort of just like put a s- stamp on it. Um, and whatever happens, happens um, in terms of where these teams go. I think it would help if the Blue Jays get to the playoffs and maybe the Yankees don't or whatever. Um, but I do think that Robbie Ray's pitched well enough. Um, and I, it is, you know, it's not an award that is, it's supposed to just be the best pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just who is the best pitcher. Mm-hmm. But I think it's hard to ignore the Robbie Ray story. You know, like Garrett Cole's pitching really well, but Garrett Cole always pitches generally really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that the story around Robbie Ray of what he's how he's transformed himself and um coming off a career worst season um, where he was walking more guys than anybody in the league mm-hmm. and doing what he did this year. Like I'm not a Cy Young voter and obviously like you'd, you'd want to make your case for each guy, but I do find this sort of like overall story arc of Robbie Ray to be the most compelling one too, as well as the fact that I think he's been um, the best pitcher as well, yeah. especially in the second half. I think that the the story is com- is compelling, but I don't think you even need to get too much past the, uh, the fact that he's pitched better. He's been the yeah. best pitcher in the American League. Ergo, he would win the <laughs> Cy Young Award. Um, interestingly, you mentioned the Guerrero and Simeon, something to maybe watch. Something that ho- uh, if you're a Blue Jays fan, a trend you hope might might uh, turn around, which is that Guerrero and Simeon have been the two least quote unquote clutch players on the Blue Jays. If you look at their numbers, because a because they've performed at such a high level on balance this season, but when in high leverage situations, both Guerrero and Simeon have underperformed. When the really? pressure is on, they've performed much worse. Than their, than their standard numbers. If you, if you look at like the win probability added, um, like there's a measure that's like leverage neutral, like so where you don't take into the account the leverage of the game. Um, and obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr. leads the way. But if you do account for, for, for leverage, um, he's lower. I mean, he still leads the Blue Jays, but he's not the lead, leaguer, lead, lead league leader like he is overall offensively. If you, if I was to tell you who's the lead league, league leader in WPA, when you account for leverage, it's Shohei Otani. Mm. He leads the league. He has performed obviously at a high level offensively, and has performed better than at than his his normal level um, in 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 the clutch. A lot of that has helped. I think recently he's been walked quite a bit. Shohei Otani, the Mariners wanted nothing to do with him. They walked him all weekend long. He he drew like 13 walks in four games going into the his start on Sunday when, of course, he threw six innings, allowed one run, struck out 10. Um, same guy. Who, so who is the best clutch performer on the Blue Jays? Now I'm curious. Uh, it is. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Okay, that would make sense. But because uh, he's been so good with runners in scoring position mm-hmm. and bases loaded this year, it's a it's an interesting number, it's an interesting measure too. Because the thing you have to take into account when you do do that is the fact that he was in fact so bad for so long, right? Which which will kind of hurt him um, from that regard. Actually, Bo Bichette leads leads the way in terms of clutch among like qualified hitters. He's actually mm-hmm. prov- performed much better than uh, than Guriel on again on balance through the whole season. Um, and including, um, you know, the, the earlier parts. So relative to, so his clutch number, clutch, which is how much win probability he's added, including leverage versus the, in the leverage neutral context. Uh, Bichette's number one, Springer's number three, 
Corey Dickerson. I was going to say, I bet you Springer's up there. Yeah, Corey Dickerson's number two, but he's only uh, not not a huge number of at bats. So yeah, you'd say among regulars, it's Bichette, Springer, Guriel, and Danny Jansen. And then with uh, with Grichik actually being the worst, Grichik and 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 Simeon tied for the for the performing even worse somehow. Randall Grichik when the when with the numbers on. I, I wrote about this in the newsletter actually last week, just because again because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets so many hits and gets on base so much, he is the most prolific. Um, um, like championship leverage contributor to the Blue Jays because he's just the best offensive player. But his, in terms of the plays that he's been involved in that have swung games by the, by the greatest amount, his number three biggest swing was a double play he had into uh, earlier, earlier in August. I think I don't remember the exact date, but again, just not had a lot of good fortune when the pressure was on. So if you were looking for a trend to reverse and you're a Blue Jays fan listening to this show, that would be the one. And if you're looking for a reason, another reason to suggest that a Shohei Otani should be the MVP, that would be another one. Okay. Before we end, okay. let, let's do a fun little thing. Okay. So the, so the next time we record together, mm-hmm. we will potentially know if the Blue Jays are going to the playoffs or not. Mm-hmm. We'll certainly know if the Blue Jays are playing like a 163 or something. Mm-hmm. So we'll know if their, their season is over or not. Mm-hmm. The next time we talk. Mm-hmm. So let's, you and I, predict right now what we think. Um, do you think the Blue Jays will make the playoffs? No. I don't. Okay. I think the Blue Jays are going to miss the playoffs. I will. I was going to say yes, they'll make the playoffs. Um, and so now I'm glad I'm saying yes because now we have two answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more fun that way. Uh I think they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to write their own history or if they're going to um, watch a team hand it over to them. Maybe a little combination of both. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they're going to make the playoffs. And I also think maybe they'll have to do it via 163, but we'll see. If that happens, even if they make it into 163, I think they sh- you should consider that making the playoffs and you can consider that a win. Okay, that's fair. So... We'll meet back here next week. We will meet back here next <laughs> week. Bye. So as we mentioned off the top, Spin Rate is brought to you by Topps Project 70, which celebrates 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Project 70 has created this full set of unique, special commemorative cards designed by some of the greatest designers, jewelry makers, rappers, everybody around the world. This week, month, recently... Topps Project 70 uh, released a Vlad Jr. and Senior Senior commemorative card. It's available right now, uh, available until the end of September, if you're listening to this. So just a couple days left. It is a a really cool uh, design, kind of like old school. Got a cool picture of Vlad Sr. repping the Expos. Got the beard going. And we got Vlad Guerrero Jr. repping the the Blue Jays All-Star vibe from when of course Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the MVP of the All-Star game which feels like it happened 100 years ago but it didn't the season still going on uh it's really interesting to compare their their age 22 seasons it's a good place to start this is really the place where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladimir Guerrero Sr.'s career started uh, he played just 90 games in his age 22 season as opposed to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who is of course very, very healthy 
And, and Vlad Sr. had a great season. He hit 302. He hit 11 home runs. He had a uh, 116 weighted runs created plus. Age 22, easing in, but a bit of a different time, obviously. Bit of a different game back in the day. Uh, when, of course, Vlad was coming up on the, the green-painted, wonderful ground awfulness of the, uh, of the, of the uh, Stade Olympique in 1997. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. having an incredible age 22 season. One of the best we've ever seen. At the same time as Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. are also having incredible age 22 seasons. But I don't need to tell you too much more about what about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s age 22 season. Still got that outside shot and 50 home runs, sitting on 46 home runs. Bit of a little quiet weekend. Just had one hit and one walk uh, this past weekend in Minnesota, but still having an amazing season. Still with that incredible walk rate, incredible, you know, strikeout rate way ahead of the curve, hitting for so much power, hitting for an incredible average, leading the world in every offensive category you can imagine in terms of exit velocity, barrels, all that sort of uh, just fancy nonsense, which we didn't have, of course, when Vlad Sr. was on the scene. But I think, you know, I think about this sometimes and I've, I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to unleash it, but I think that when we think about the approach Obviously, the physical similarities between Vlad Sr. and Vlad Jr. are obvious. They are father and son. And Vlad Jr.'s swing has those similarities to Vlad Sr. But I think, I think that the approach is of the, of the MLB sons, Bo Bichette is the one who actually has a more similar approach, I think, to, to Vlad Jr., Vlad Sr. Of course, Vlad Sr. was famous for being able to hit everything. He'd swing at it over his eyes. He'd hit it off the bounce, knock it, hit it off the fence. Now, that's not who Bo Bichette is, but we talked, we've talked obviously a lot about Bo Bichette on this show recently. And he's a guy who can hit anything. And he has a plate coverage that, that is unrivaled, um, in the big leagues today. And obviously, Vlad Jr. has incredible plate, plate coverage too. But I think that that's the, that's an interesting piece of that comparison where we're so, we were in such a rush to compare as a junior and senior, but I think that in, some, in a lot of ways, Bo Bichette might be the preferable or the more apt comparison to Vlad Sr. Vlad Jr., nobody has played coverage like he does. Nobody's able to go up there with a plan, to sit back, to be able to react to hard stuff, hit it out to right field, hit it hard to the right field corner. That's to the right field power alley, I should say. That is the sign, usually, when Vlad... Uh, junior is going well when you'll see him start to hit the ball hard or start to hit the ball the other way to right field a lot and and then have that ability to turn and hit the ball over the fence in left field like so few can coming up to this huge series with the Yankees and this series this season and ending series against the Orioles it'll be interesting to see what kind of approach Vlad uses you know Garrett Cole is going to be on the mound for the Yankees during the season Vlad has had a great approach had some really hard uh, hard hit balls off of him on opening day has really shown that ability to sit back, kind of sit on the slider. I think a little bit from Cole, sit back, react to the fastball when he sees it, shoot it the other way, hit it hard to right field. Uh, he does it. He makes it look easy. It, I, I can say it, and it, it sounds easy, but it's not easy at all. And I think that you know Vlad Senior again featured on this card that has the words uh, "father and son," father son written in huge letters. It gives it kind of this cool uh, this cool look. Um, Vlad Sr. Was an, is an iconic baseball player. He, he is someone who has a mythology around him because he played in, in, for Montreal. So people like me who grew up 
uh, in Toronto, seeing him on TV a bit more often. Maybe you make your way out to the, to the Olympic Stadium and you get to see him. Uh, the, he's the stuff of legend, right? Again, all these things I've already mentioned: hitting the ball over his eyes, hitting the ball off the off the off the ground, throwing the ball from from the from the third base line into the right field seats. You know, all these just kind of feats of strength. This this weird mythology. He wasn't he wasn't like Derek Jeter, where the cameras are on him all the time. He's playing in relative obscurity. Then he goes to play for for Anaheim, of course, which. As anybody who's been following Mike Trout and, and Shohei Otani's career knows, is not exactly the path, the most direct path to superstardom. So Vladimir Guerrero Sr., a Hall of Famer, an undisputed Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. But I think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on his way to cementing a very different kind of relationship with the Toronto Blue Jays fans and the, in the city of Toronto. Um, because we haven't had a player who's got all these amazing combinations of skills that he has Roy Halladay was the best pitcher in baseball no one would ever you know no one would debate that there was a time in in Halladay's career where he was absolutely the best but Roy Halladay was a very different guy very quiet unassuming wasn't out out there for the for the not for the limelight but not a guy who who craved that it was a different time in the game and he was very much like a very stoic figure here's Vlad Jr. having a blast got the jacket got the hair out there goofing around doing Adam Simber's dance you watch these 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 mic'd up features that come when the Blue Jays play the YouTube games Vlad Jr. engages with every single guy that comes to first base he knows everybody knows their story knows where they're from knows something about them it's and the other players really seem to respond to it the the players on the other team that amazing quote from from Geraldo Parra during that game when the Blue Jays played against the Nationals and he said it in Spanish to one of his teammates that he's a great player but he's an even better person um, I really think that we're at, well, there's a great potential for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. To, to become a true face of this franchise now and into the future. Um, if you're a Blue Jays fan, I don't know if you're ready to sign those statue contracts like they talk about with Fernando Tatis Jr. He's probably going to play his whole career in San Diego. Um, there's a chance that, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could be that guy for your Toronto Blue Jays. And I think that if you're in the interest of, uh, if you're into collectibles, maybe this is a good place to start as uh, there should be a whole bunch of Vlad Jr. things signifying his incredible career that's just getting started with your Toronto Blue Jays. That's it for this edition of Spin Rate. Got the shilling out of the way. Got to do our work. Got to pay the bills. I hope you enjoy this amazing series coming up with the Yankees. I hope it's amazing. This is what what it's all about. This is when we're always belly aching about uh, meaningful baseball in September. This is why. This is what it's all about. Enjoy this amazing series with the Yankees. Uh, fingers crossed hope it goes your way if you're going down to the ballpark have an amazing time get loud have some fun wear your mask if you're not having a drink like let's still do the right thing whenever we can and uh, I also want to say real quick that uh, September 30th is the day of truth and reconciliation in Canada and I think a lot of us are going to be focused on baseball and life and all the other things but I really hope that if you have the opportunity to take a moment and just think about what this day means think about what all this stuff is, you know, that these games are where these games are being played, and what the land that we're playing it on means, and 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 just the the, the sheer significance and the size and the, the looming, um, uh, uh, what's the word? That just how serious and how unbelievable that these things happened on on under our noses and under our watch and with with our tacit approval. Um, so, uh, so if you if you are fortunate uh, and you don't have 
to work on Thursday, September the 30th. Um, it would be great if you could take a moment in between worrying about baseball and doing all the regular stuff that we've all got to do to keep our lives going. Take a few minutes and think about what it means and think about what our country's history um, really looks like and 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 the the blood that's on uh, on on so many of our our hands and on on the land that we're watching people play baseball on. So take a minute. I hope you do and and hope you can and hope it means something to you and you can reverse the 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 generations of ignorance because people like like I absolutely did not know so many of the things that happened. They didn't teach us and I didn't ask. So we have a real opportunity with our kids and with the next generations to make sure that they have a better understanding of what it means to be Canadian and what Canada really means and what Canada really looks like and what our history really is. So if you're able to take some time on Thursday to do that, that would be awesome. And then when, when you're done, go out and enjoy the game. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next time on Spinner.